NotFest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. Talk to me here on NotFest.com. As always, I am Joshua Toomey, joined by the one, the only, Chris Aiken. Chris, how are we doing? Uh, pretty good, unless you look on Instagram, in which I'm very unhealthy, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Instagram commenters love you. <laughs> uh, whatever. You know what? Hi, friends. Glad to hello. see you. Hey, it is Masters Week, so hello, friends. Hello, uh, friends. Man, we have a huge guest this week. Max Cavalera returns. He actually returns for the fifth time. Uh, if you're into SNL, they have a five-timers club. So now Gene Hoagland and uh, Max Cavalera in the five-timers club. Wow, look at that. They should be getting talk-to-me tattoos like you have. <laughs> you get a talk-to-me tattoo. I mean, they could just, you know, if they want to get a talk-to-me tattoo, that's fine. Or just get, you know, like one of the cool jackets they have sure. over on SNL. But uh, Max is on to talk about the uh, upcoming Cavalera tour where hi- him and Igor are doing uh, select cuts from Beneath the Remains and Arise. And I- I've had the opportunity. He did this with Nailbomb. I got to-, to interview him about that. I got to interview him about Roots. Uh, sure. when they when they did the return to roots tour so the, these kind of interviews are like right up my alley i know you're not much of a nostalgia going back in the past and yeah. you know reliving everything that they did back then but man these are my type of interviews to where you don't have to like talk about the new album and try to squeeze in an, uh, an sure. arise question you know this one is just like hey we're gonna talk about arise for like almost an hour and you're gonna sit there and love it that's <laughs> kind fun of dude there's nothing wrong with that i just always try to it seems like every time I talk to these guys, they're promoting something new. Yeah. And I don't want to be like, yeah, yeah. So you got this new Soulfly record. So tell me about Beneath the Remains. <laughs> right. You know, I don't want to be that guy because there's enough of those guys out there. So, well, you're looking at one of them right here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I will, why I do the other thing. You know? I will 100%. Uh, I, will a- I will ask you about the new album. I will sneak in an old question and then, and then we'll finish off talking about the new album. You know, I'll, sure. I'll, I figured it out. <laughs> nice. But, but man, it, and this is one time I don't tell you guys a lot to go to notfest.com and subscribe to become a VIP. But if you want to watch the full interview, make sure to go over to Notfest VIP because this is one that when I've watched it back, like he Max is so animated. He's he seems to be very into the interview. So this is one where I say, Hey, go, you know, go pay the few bucks, don't be cheap, and get the Notfest VIP and watch the entire interview. And just do that anyway. What do you mean just for this one? They should hey. be doing that already. <laughs> well, they should be. And I don't tell them to do it every time, but this is one where, where we definitely have to talk about it. Yeah, of course. Well, it's a legend. Of course, spend your money. You would <laughs> spend the money to go get a ticket. So spend your money to go see this legend. What are you doing? There we go. And uh, you know, we talk a little bit about Dino being in Soulfly and kind of how, how that changed the band up a little bit. And he seemed to okay. be very, very into it. Very. And, uh, you know, Dino might be on the upcoming Soulfly, Soulfly dates, but he didn't really give a, uh, a definitive answer. Um, you know, t- yeah. So we talked a bit, a little bit about that, but yeah, man, when it came down to like talking about a rise and, and it's funny, I guess that story's out there. I told you about the story, but the story about him and Eddie Vedder, 
<laughs> oh yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. it's already out there, man. But it was I was just like, oh my god, <laughs> what what a what a crazy story. So you guys definitely have to stick around for that. But uh, sure. before before we talk about Max, we're actually talk a little bit about Sepultura. Mm-hmm. Um, Sepultura's drummer, Eloy Casagrande. Yes. Uh, one of the main reasons I would go see the current uh, incarnation of Sepultura. Um, I guess he's broken his leg. He took a break in between songs and fell off the stage <laughs> and, and, and broke his leg and had to go back to Brazil. Man, that's a tough way to go out on a tour, huh? Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so did he finish the set is what I, I would like to know. Did he finish the set or did the tech have uh, to sit in and play? You know what? It didn't say. Uh, let's see. Da, da, da. It says yesterday at the El Paso show during the break between songs, I ended up falling off the stage, fracturing my tibia and fibula. Going back to Brazil to start the recovery. I'll see you soon. Tour will continue, but without me. Uh, more news coming soon. I'm thinking he manned up and finished it. Yeah, I, I guess I never saw where it said he he stopped the show. Normally, I mean, you probably get you know your uh, your adrenaline going through you, and you know if it's if it's a, just a, a break, you might just you know think you can kind of walk it off or whatnot. So I would say he probably finished the show. It sounds like he did, and that's a manned up dude. Think, I mean, you're a bass player. What if you broke your hand in the middle of a set? Hey, man, I'd finish the show. You know? No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would. <laughs> You'd be picking picking that bass with what your elbow. Hey, whatever. <laughs> hey, I'm here for the show, man. Sure. <laughs> sure We're going to get are. through these songs. <laughs> well, good on him. I mean, I mean, for finishing it, but boy, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think, I think at this point you pretty much go to a Sepultura show to see Andreas. Yeah. I think that's kind of universal. That guy's so goddamn good that that's why you go to a show. Right. But man, losing that, losing Eloy. That guy is a a machine. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I I've sat there and you know, anytime I've interviewed any of those guys, be it Derek Green or Andreas, you know, mm-hmm. I just sit there and just gush over Aloy. And um, it looks like they've recruited Bruno Valverde from Angra, who also looks about thirteen, just just right. like uh, just like Aloy, uh, to kind of finish up this tour. And I guess they also have a six date Mexico tour in April, so. Dude, if, isn't uh, it weird that Angra keeps getting picked apart for all these really heavy bins? I mean, Megadeth picked out the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kiko. Yeah. And, uh, and now the drummer gets picked out and I don't know <laughs> if you're familiar with, with Angra at all, but certainly is not this kind of music. Right. It's, it's way more progressive metal, which I guess those guys are all like superior musicians, but I just wouldn't think that that would be where it wouldn't be my first thought. Who, who do we get? Oh, let's go get this guy from this prog metal band. You know, it doesn't seem like the right thought, but. Well, maybe if I want to get back into the music business, I just go join Angra. So. Yeah, there you go. Or join dream theater. And then somebody will pick you up for a good band. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got to give a shout out to a uh, hardcore Keem. I know you love watching hardcore Keem. Sure. Uh, he is going to go play bass in the Browning on their upcoming tour. So he's really, he's, 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 he's always been a bass player. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're picking him up just because he's like an, a, an influencer or something, but, uh, but yeah, man, he's going to, he, he announced the other day that he's joining, uh, the Browning for like a 10 date tour. I don't know if it's full time or whatnot. I know, okay. you know, I know the Browning has kind of gone through some member changes, but um, yeah, I had, uh, I had old homeboy from Browning on my Twitch show 
And uh, yeah, it was good stuff, man. I, I really enjoyed it. So that's so, cool, man. Good, good luck, him. hardcore Keem. I'm gonna go to the show, get my elbows up, start doing my hardcore dances that I learned from him. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but yeah, he's a good dude. Good for him. That's cool. Yeah, he he seems like a good dude. Seems he, boy, he's got some energy. That's for oh, damn man. sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a mess, man. I love him. I know. I, I used to watch because he followed you on the on the Twitch show. Yeah. And man, I mean, you, you'd be like, just kind of like groove into whatever you're watching and he would come in. He's damn near doing backflips and shit, jumping <laughs> in and out of his chair, throwing his chair around and shit. I was like, damn, this dude's yeah. got some juice. Yeah. <laughs> he always cracks me up when it, with his, uh, with his reaction videos. Cause he's got, he's got that, uh, uh, MMA dummy behind him. And sometimes right. he'll just get up and just start punching the, punching <laughs> the dummy and stuff, man. He just like, I don't know. He just, he always. He always puts a smile on my face, but yeah, I texted him the other day. told him I was, uh, you know, good job, proud of him, all that good stuff. So, so Very see good. him out on tour. Sure. Speaking of uh, not seeing somebody on tour though. Okay. Uh, I, I've, I've read this statement a couple of times and I, and it doesn't really make sense to me. So you and I are going to hash this out and see if we can make any sense of it. Okay. Um, Australian meddlers. This is from, uh, blabbermouth.net. I think okay. we're all familiar. Uh, Australian meddlers Parkway Drive have canceled their previously announced North American tour. Uh, mm-hmm. The trek was to be uh, supported by Hatebreed and the Black Dahlia Murder, uh, scheduled to kick off in Baltimore and includes an appearance at Welcome to Rockville and So What festivals. Earlier today, Parkway Drive issued the following statements regarding the matter. Let me go down to the statement here. Uh, North America 2022 tour canceled. Dear friends, family, and fans, this is something we never thought we would be writing, but we not only all believe you deserve an explanation, but we feel the need to communicate and connect with true honesty. Firstly, this is hard. Please know we are fully aware that another canceled tour is not what you want to see from us, and for any expectations or plans we have messed with, we are truly sorry. So this is a rescheduled COVID tour, by the way. Okay. Um, we have been doing this thing called Parkway Drive for nearly 20 years. We started as kids and never looked back. It has been a wild ride, but over those years, the relentless nature of being in this band has given us very little time to reflect on who we are as individuals, who we want to be, and the toll it is taking on ourselves and our friendships. It has always been a 100% commitment or nothing. We feel the limit has been reached, and we don't want to fuck this up. The same devotion that we have put into everything before, we are now putting into processing what these 20 years have done to us. With this, we aim to grow and return stronger for what it for what is yet to come. We know what we need to do, and we humbly ask for your respect while we take this time for growth that is needed. It has been said that it is better to burn out than to fade away. We do not want either. So know that our return will burn brighter than the past. P.S. We are still focused and committed to do our European tour, so that will go ahead as planned September, October 2022. What, what does this mean? <laughs> wow. Now You've they're from saying, Australia, you say? Yeah, yeah they're from Australia. Because I mean that just screams breaking up, but then they're just the only thing I can think of is that they're doing the European tour because it cost them way more than it would to cancel the American tour. 
I don't understand the statement at all. Like, because I was thinking, you know, they were going to say something about COVID restrictions, stuff. You know, the the world hasn't truly opened up yet, so we don't want to get over there and cancel and blah blah blah. But this is saying like like we really need more time to to focus on ourselves. I mean, you've yeah. been sitting home for two years. What are you? you know, this that's is, probably the problem. They've all been home, and <laughs> right. they you. I mean, you've been in bands to know, dude. There's yeah. one guy in that band that the other guys don't like. I mean, I can pick this apart in two seconds. There's <laughs> one guy that they don't that the other three or four. I don't. I don't know much about Parkway Drive, really. I think there's five. Whatever. So there's four guys that still get along. There's one that doesn't. But the one right. that doesn't has has either twenty percent share or an ownership <laughs> of the name or something like yeah. that. And they want to boot. They want to boot him, but for probably a financial reason, they can't. Because otherwise, you would just see an announcement that says Parkway Drive parks parts ways with drummer. Yeah, Here's the new drummer or, or bassist or whoever it is. Um, but they can't. So now they're like, "Well, do we continue on and just deal with this fucker or no?" And what surprises me out of that thing is that the Hatebreed opens for Parkway Drive. Yeah, that's definitely. I mean, they're I they're a big band. I mean, they're, I know they're, they're a big band, but. I don't know anybody that if you ask them to name their top 10 bands goes on oh, Parkway drive, man. Right. Do you? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, they're definitely, you know, the generation behind us, which is kind of what this, this, this note screams. Yeah. And for them to say they've been doing this for 20 years. I mean, even if they were doing it as teenagers, that means they're in their mid thirties, yeah. but, but it's still like, th- this screams like, toxic environment and you know <laughs> personal growth and yeah and, just, you know like this stuff like that so it's like you know it's taking a toll on their friendships and their you know their selves i mean yeah that's what the music business does i mean you the and and in today's world dude it could be the dumbest thing it could be the political thing yeah it could be one guy sees it one way the other guys see it the other way whichever way and they don't want to be around that because you know how toxic it is when you start talking about politics these days. It's just an yeah. instant fight, you know, and they may not want to be on a bus with somebody that's, you know, right wing or left wing or whatever, or, or there could be one guy that's pro Russia and one guy that's pro or four guys that are pro Ukraine or whatever. I mean, you could have <laughs> yeah, any right. number of these reasons to do it. It just sounds like they they've hit the, They've hit the wall and they know that they're going to be on the road and, you know, on tour for three to six months. And they're like, can't do it. We will end up killing somebody and throwing them off the bus on the side of the road. You know, so they're, that's what it sounds like to me is that they just can't. It it sounds to me like you're going to see a a press statement in the next month or two that's going to remind you of Woven War, where you're going to get, hey, we're continuing on just without this guy, but out of respect for the name. We're going to be now something else, you know, we're going to be, I don't know, freeway street or something, you know, there'll be, there'll be some new name, but Nick urban in the comment section says after two years of doing nothing due to COVID, we're canceling the tour because we were burnt out. Makes sense. I feel bad for anybody who is a fan of these wimps. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't definitely, I wouldn't necessarily call them wimps. I think they're, they're, they're a very good band, but it's just still crazy. How how like but I mean that's how I read it too. After two yeah. years of doing nothing, dude. Who says they did nothing, dude? I mean they they could they could very well have been. First of all, they've had to negotiate and and cancel tours, yeah. and that puts a strain on you. They don't know nobody's got any money coming in, 
And you've been around bands well more than me to know that nobody in a band saves any money. So nobody was ready for a two year hiatus. So a lot of them are probably real stressed out with wives, kids, girlfriends, dogs, pets, whatever, you know, so there's that kind of stress as well, you know, and could very well be that they spent the last year and a half trying to write a record. And because they're on different pages, couldn't do that right either, which put more stress on them where they couldn't even get away from each other because they were all kind of locked down from COVID. I mean, there's, there's a million things it could be. I'm just thinking there's one guy in the band they don't like anymore. And for financial reasons, they can't boot him out. That would be my guess. Yeah, I'm just kind of skimming through these these comments, man. It's just people are like, what the hell are you guys thinking? <laughs> um, I mean, the thing with Haybreed opening for Parkway Drive, I, I think Jamie has, has said it many a time on his show where he'll talk about a band like Parkway Drive, who is kind of like on that step of becoming the bigger band. We'll sure. take out a, a take out a legacy band. I mean, hell, it taking out t- actually three legacy bands here. Really, Hate Breed, Black Dahlia, and Stick to Your Guns. But um, and just kind of maybe overpay them a little bit to open, but it also gives them that quote unquote status. But the, sure. I mean, the club dates were. Do you know what Columbus, Ohio, Kimba Live? Do you know what that is? No um, idea. Kimba San Francisco, Live. you know, San Francisco, the Warfield. They're playing. That's a big one. Um, you know, the Palladium Outdoors in Worcester. Massachusetts and uh, the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York. You know, I mean, pretty decent, decent sized rooms. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I'm just really just blown away by this whole statement. Just still trying to figure it out because normally you at least lie and say, yes. you know, well, due to COVID. Yeah. Due to yeah. COVID, we unfortunately have to, out of, out of the immense concern for safety for our fans and bandmates, <laughs> right. we need to be careful and it's not yeah. you know that's what they should have done instead with, of this whole with this speculate, new, speculate. With, with this new omnicron variant that is yeah. spreading like wildfire yeah and, you know but, but instead what did they do they just ramped up the message boards to speculate for the next six months until they make another announcement yeah well you know hopefully it comes together man because they put on a great show live i mean they they have been one of those bands that I don't know if you've ever watched any of their live videos, but they do they do tend to put a lot of money into production. I mean, hell, it okay. looks like a Rammstein or a you know a Rob Zombie show when they play. Nice. So, you know, they've always got you know pyro and and you know all this stuff going on. So great band, and uh, hopefully they'll get this together. But you know, I, I'm glad you you said all this. But then, P.S. We are still focused and committed <laughs> to our European tour. So yeah. We're breaking up, but before we do, (laughs) one last run of the European market. We'll see you at Vakken. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, uh, guys, without any more of our ramblings, let's uh, let's jump over to my interview with Max Cavalera, and uh, Chris and I will be right back.
Um, how, how's it going, man? Too good? Not too bad. Not too bad. How you been? I'm I'm doing okay, man. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Awesome. So good to hear. How's the uh, the pandemic treated you? Um. Yeah, it was all right. You know, it was <laughs> it was kind of crazy, but we figured some things out, man. We just did some stuff. You know, uh, I end up actually being really creative, which is like a lot of other uh, musicians did, you know, you got, yeah. got to write a lot, which is cool. I end up making, um, so I got, you know, I got to finish the Killer BQ record. I got to finish the Go Ahead and Die record, which was cool, doing my son. And... Um, work also on the new Soulfly that's coming out in July. So, oh, awesome. and then apart from that, I did, I did this thing called Max Tracks. Was a, just sit at home playing guitar in my living room, live on Facebook for yeah, fans. Yeah, those are always a lot of fun to watch every day. Yeah, every it, it was unfiltered, no, no gimmicks, no special lights, punk as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as uh, I guess we've already started, um, We'll go ahead and introduce you, though. You're you're a man that needs no introduction, especially a not fast, especially talk to me. But Max Cavalera, the one, the only Max Cavalera on to uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, upcoming Cavalera tour you've got with your brother, Igor, uh, doing some tracks from Beneath the Remains and Arise. And uh, man, man, that's going to be so, so awesome. Cannot wait. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, very excited for the tour. Um, Of course, we just wrapped up a soul flight. U.S. tour, and that was amazing too. Uh, it was one of the best tours we've done. Uh, it, it was just somehow I don't know, maybe because of the pandemic, was maybe there was just the right timing. Um, everything on, about that tour was killer, from the shows to the crowds to the bands. You know, we, we yeah. had uh, two hundred stab wounds. Uh, with us from for the majority of the tour and they're just awesome guys we end up jamming we end up doing a jam of of, of uh cannibal corpse and hate breed together <laughs> nice putting those two together it was kind of a hybrid version of, of of two uh of a cannibal corpse and a hate breed song together but that was a lot of fun and of course uh yeah dino man bringing the four down with his the, the machine yes. right hand that Dino has <laughs> that crunchy fear factory sound. So fly had never sounded so metal like now. <laughs> yeah. That, that show was one of the first shows that I went to post pandemic was, was a club show. I mean, I've been to a couple of festivals with, with not fest and whatnot, but getting yeah. into a small club again, you know, you have your reservations, but I was like, I cannot miss Dino playing with Soulfly, so i had to go check it out and my takeaway was it was you know you you kind of took away some you know you 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 took away some of the frills some of the solos and stuff you kind of chopped it down took it down to the bare bones of Soulfly, the meat and potatoes of it and it was such a killer set man such as you know a lot of the classics and then obviously i think you guys played some fear factory too so 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 much fun to see uh see you guys playing together i couldn't miss it yeah, that was a good run. And like I said, having Dino, it was just, it was special. It was a special thing. It was almost like, almost like, uh, uh, 
like a like an all star lineup type thing. You know, you got this guy that's been on the scene for a long time, and um, is he's a veteran like me and he's been through all the trenches. And uh, I'm a huge Fear Factory fan. Oh yeah, and and uh, and and just the, sonically talking, you're totally right. We stripped down some of the songs. They actually, we're playing them more true to the original right. uh, way that they were conceived. That's how they, that, that's how they were, especially the early stuff, like the stuff from Soulfly one mm-hmm. primitive. And uh, um, it was really like bare bones, not much stuff. You know, there's not much uh, fiddling. It's just like, this is it. But, just having Dino's massive guitar tone on top of it, those crunchy, those chuggings, they never felt so good. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, as a fan, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, this is killer. This is, this is awesome, man. And, uh, and Dino's such a cool guy. He's, he's he's such a good, he's always in a good mood. He's always ready to do stuff. So I think we're going to carry on that formula, man. I think we're going to, I don't know how, how much more, we're gonna roll with him, but eventually the idea is actually to have different guitar players come in and do stuff with us on the future tours until we find the, you know, a, a permanent member for the moment. But right now we don't have that, and I'm kind of I'm kind of cool with that. I think that would be awesome for 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 Soulfly and for the fans. They get to see this. Uh, this kind of cool thing that we we can have different people. Not on the top of my mind, top of my mind right now. I don't know who uh, we can even get, but there's a lot of great friends, oh, yeah. people in bands out there that would be really cool to have them come and join SoFly for a tour. And but we did it. We did it with Dino, and uh, uh, it, it was just fun. It was just fun, and this, it sounded great he just has such a and he shreds man dino can shred too which is great uh and then playing the new stuff with him was great uh we did two songs we did a song called field upon field and a song called superstition uh which is not a stevie wonder cover (laughs) (laughs) it's our own original superstition but uh because it's it's based on the superstition mountains that we have here in arizona um and it was it was great, man. It was it was killer. I actually saw a picture of you uh, with a fear with dreadlocks and in the Fear Factory. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I was I was scrolling to uh, to some of some of your your some of your pics, and I saw that. I was like, that's badass, man. That's a cool old school picture. You yeah, know, that was uh, that was ninety eight, maybe ninety eight, ninety nine. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, the, yeah. That was that was the time. You know. <laughs> Um, yeah, man. So that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really, uh, excited, looking forward to SoFly coming out in July, but at the moment I'm really focused on this Cavalera tour that got announced right before the SoFly tour. It was kind of crazy because I didn't even know, knew exactly. I heard rumblings about a tour. Gloria had mentioned something about we might be doing on a U.S. tour, but the next thing I know, she was like talking to the booking agent and had all the dates and like, yeah, it's official. We're doing it. And it's soon it's coming. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is great. You know? Um, so we'll be announcing soon. Um, who's playing guitar for that tour. And also the opening bands. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. We're going to, we, we, 
we haven't announced it yet, but it'll be it'll be a cool surprise for the fans. But uh, really excited for that because those records are just amazing, man. Uh, the whole era, 89, 91, that, that era of music, right? it was fire, man. It was like, uh, it was just a great metal time. And, and those records speak for that time. And I think that Beneath the Remains and Arise, they're kind of twin feeders. They're, they're born together. Yeah. They belong together in a way, in a weird way. Um, I mean, if we did... If we did Chaos AD with Arise, it would have been weird. Or even if we did Roots with Chaos, it would be weird. But yeah. Beneath the Remains and Arise, they, even the names, you know, Beneath the Remains going down, Arise is going up. Even <laughs> the names, they, they kind of they match because they were done at the same time. And uh, and it makes for a, just a, a pure powerhouse of set list, man. It's just one hitter after the other. There's no... There's no room to breathe. That tour is just like, and I want to play. I told Igor, I want to play them like the Ramones. Like I don't want to even want to talk to the crowd. Right. So like, one, two, three, four. Let's go. Next one. Next one. Next one. Just keep rolling and just pure raw adrenaline and energy. It'd be awesome if we do it like that. Well, I kind of wanted to go back to that era because obviously the beneath the remains into into a rise just for you personally had to be some of the best times of your life because you know that's you know you're doing beneath the remains in brazil but then by the time you know rise is coming over you're coming over and doing more in the states and like that just seems like a huge time for you uh personally and in and, and musically and growth and things yeah it was a great time in, in fact um uh, i think to me beneath the remains is one of the m- most raw records ever made in 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 metal in general and I believe I know why it's so raw. It was because it was done at night. That's a nocturnal record. Right. And I never done a nocturnal record ever since. Uh, we couldn't record during the day. There was a pop band in the studio during the day. So our <laughs> sessions was from midnight to seven. Oof. Like, it's crazy. I never heard of, of those hours uh, in a studio for a band before. And it was the only thing available uh, we wanted to record in the best Brazilian studio at the time. And it was Nas Nuvens in Rio. And that was all that was available. It was that. But because of that, just because it was nocturnal, man, <laughs> there was something about those grave graveyard shift hours. <laughs> right. Filter right into the record, man. And you feel, you almost feel like the desperation of, of also because I think it was our shot. You know, we had this one shot. It's like you're holding the dice and you're rolling the dice and you got this one fucking chance to make it a good one. It was Roadrunner put all the chips on us. They're believing in this band. We had to make the best record we could make. So I was very inspired and very, uh, just very trailed man and and i think it shows on the song i think uh it, the growth from schizophrenia to beneath the remains is huge i think the band we all took a step forward and i think arise also i think arise is better songwriting maybe a little bit than beneath the remains it's not as raw yeah it's a little bit more polished but you can tell that there's a growth on songwriting especially stuff like desperate cry 
and um, that embryonic cells. And, uh, you know, so I hold those two records in a very special place in my heart. Uh, in fact, I think without Believe the Remains, I wouldn't even be here talking to you right now if you would have made a shitty record. If you would have made a, 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 a just a complete dog shit album, that would be it. We were, we were fade into obscurity in Brazil. Nobody would even heard about us ever again. So it was very important to make just a killer record. And you think I think you can sense that desperation in, in the performance of that record. And and I love it. I love that the record kept that we captured that on on the album. You know. So I think it's it's timeless and. The, the crazy thing about it is like how relevant those songs are today. Right. If you talk about "Beneath the Remains," which is an anti-war song, uh, you know, if you if you think about what's going on in in Europe right now in Ukraine, um, that song is all about that. It's you know who has won, who has died right. beneath the remains. That's it, man. You know, it's like so. It's crazy. Thirty years later those lyrics are more relevant now than they even before, you know, they're more important now than they were. Um, I think that makes it a little special too, makes it a little cooler. Um, and it's just fun to play. It's all tuned to E standard. That was before we start fucking with tunings. And <laughs> uh, in fact, I lied on our first EP with down tune. <laughs> yeah. Best of devastation had two songs that were down tune to like C so I think the very first thing we recorded was down tune, and then we went into a bunch of morbid visions, schizophrenia, believe the remains are right, was all E standard. And then we start fucking with tuning again on Chaos AD. You're talking about lyrics. The one thing I was I was uh, picked up on in Dead Embryonic Cells where you're like laboratory sickness infects humanity. And you yeah. know, there's so many there's all that COVID, you know, theories that it was made in a laboratory, and you know, so okay. you get laboratory sickness infects humanity. I'm like, oh, it's still still very valid today. Yeah, no hope, no hope for the future. Die by technology. <laughs> here we are, man. And here we are, you know, the technology boom and, and of everything going on. So you're you're yeah. a prophet, man. You're a prophet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those lyrics, man. They're sometimes the, the funny thing, I was talking to a friend, and I remember when COVID hit, and, you know, we got the lockdown and all that, and I, told, I talked to my friend, I said, dude, I told you those metal albums were telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nuclear assault, napalm death, they all were singing about the plague, you know? Uh, <laughs> yep, it hit. It's all truth. It's all came, it's all came true, which is crazy. Uh, those are some 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 bad shit records but with a lot of truth in it you know and uh, i think that's cool that's uh there's a lot of uh cool lyrics on those two records i i think uh, uh i remember when i wrote murder which was which is in arise i have just done witnessing a guy getting shot at a at a, a 7-eleven oh wow in uh, in phoenix you know, and uh, and I remember we went to uh we went to, to uh so some of the some of the lyrics filter to that murder, you know, right. based about a little bit about that. And then there's some other some, some really cool stuff, um like really um mass hypnosis that can be maybe about the media and mm-hmm. you know 
the oh, whole yeah. the whole internet thing. It's you know all this this you know hypnotizing people through mass hypnotization of people and all that. Um, yeah, man, it's cool. I, I love those. I love that era. I love that time. And I love the fact that we get to go out and play it the, the right way now right. with Igor on drum with the thunder drumming. So you can hear the, the thunder in the drums and people can hear the original vocals with the guitar. And, uh, you know, we, we, we make just, we do them uh, a, a real honor to play them right, play them the right way. Um, they're not easy to play. They're, those songs are pain in the asses. Uh, <laughs> right. To learn and to perform, but also real fun. It's really, really fun to play that shit. Yeah. yeah, It's definitely some of those earlier songs where you're like, why did we write this part like this again? (laughs) You know, or like, you know, why did we do it five times here and only four times there? You know, know, it's it's still a mystery. (laughs) (laughs) I still don't know why we did that. It's like, (laughs) but we played, we played the way the record is. So I think the only thing we change a little bit is, um, outer states got a little jam that we goes into a jam and we do a new uh slower version of beneath the remains and arise in the end of the set hybrid version of both of them but everything else is very uh, close to the original as much as we can now, going back to uh, Beneath the Remains, obviously, Scott Burns uh, goes to Rio, which, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of all that early uh, Morris Sound Studio stuff, all the early Roadrunner stuff. So, so Scott, going to you guys, uh, talk a little bit about that and talk a little bit about, you know, I mean, was was Morris Sound and Scott Burns and everything, was he who we, who we kind of like, uh, uh, you know, I guess put on a pedestal now? But I mean, was or was he an up and coming producer at that time, or was he already kind of established? I'm kind of getting my timeline together. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, he was upcoming. You know, uh, for for us it was the shit. We mm-hmm. never even had a producer before. Uh, in fact, the records before I remember Morbid Visions, the engineer tried to take unplug all the distortion and <laughs> play play clink. Uh, Chuck Berry guitars, like, no, oh, dude, we need the fucking distortion. We need that. <laughs> right. we need, you know, we need that that sound of a. Uh, I remember also my brother talk, talking to in the engineer on more revision that the guy goes, how you how you want your drum sound to sound, uh, kind of like samba bossa nova. And my brother's <laughs> like, I want it to sound like a building being demolished. <laughs> and, I, and you just see the look in the engineer's face, like. What did you just say? Did, did you say a building being demolished? You know, like they had no idea what to do with this kind of music. And Scott did. Scott was a pro, man. You know, had he already had done at that time some obituary executioner demos. He worked with in Morris Sound. I think they had worked with Daft, mm-hmm. and and they worked with Morbid Angel. Uh, so for us, it was killer. Uh, and if I remember right, the the the, the first guy we, because because Roadrunner, uh, Monty Connor was the one that picked the producer for us. Uh, the first guy he picked was actually Jeff Water from Annihilator. Oh, nice! Wow. Yeah, which also would have been cool, you yeah. know. Uh, I love Jeff, and I think it would have been a he would have made a good production. But Scott name got got uh, got thrown in, and and I'm glad we went with him and. 
And it was funny because we were, uh, we didn't know what to expect. We never met Scott before. So we were expecting maybe this big American producer, you know, <laughs> and he showed up in Bermudas and sandals and we're like, Whoa, this guy's like <laughs> us, man. He's just like us. He doesn't give a fuck. Um, and then on the first day, man, first day of recording, we are in a one-star hotel in Rio. And <laughs> we went out to record. We came back to his room. This whole fucking shit got stolen from his room. Wow. All his clothes, the boom, he brought a boom box for us to hear the mixes. They took the boom box, they took the clothes. We had to like Gave him some of our shirts for him to wear, <laughs> but it was all uh, it was all fun, man. It was all it was a lot of fun recording. Uh, in fact, I didn't finish the vocals because I was a little bit s slow on the singing and trying to get the best. Uh, we didn't have enough time in Rio, right. so I ended up flying to Tampa to Morrison to finish the vocals. Uh, and I, I stay in Scott's house, um, which was great. You know, I mess up, look around in his record collection, a lot of punk records. Scott knows a lot about punk rock, man, a lot of Black Flag and and uh, Dead Kennedys, all that great punk stuff. He knows all of that. Um, and that's that's when I met the obituary guys also and hang out with them and and they took me to see some motorcycle show in Tampa. <laughs> I got all fucked up, drink a lot, got fucked up, had a great time with those guys. Uh, and I, yeah, man. So it was a, it was a great time. Um, but I think Scott did a great job on the record. I love, I love the, uh, uh, I love the, what he, what he captured. He, he really captured us, the live thing. Right. You know? Cause that's how really how we, we were, we took pride on being super tight, you know, like when you watch uh, old Sepultura videos, it's all the the stops, you know. The beep, beep, oh, yeah. It stops on the fucking dime, man. Like, uh, you can hear the silence and then the next riff kicks in. We were very proud, proudful of those things. We're like, we like to be tight, as tight as you can get. And, uh, and I think Scott... Uh, capture a lot of that which is cool so i think even though the, the records they don't sound as good as k i think chaos ad sounds sounds better roots better production bigger mm -hmm. production but for that kind of music i think they're they're right on the money man they're right the oh, way yeah. they, they should sound you know because it's like it's like a lot of the stuff that was coming out of um of maury sound at that time kind of sounded like that yeah and, yeah leprosy and and uh altars of madness and a little bit later cannibal corpse napalm death they all deicide stuff yeah deicide stuff yeah so all that they had that kind of more sound sound thing which was right. unique but very good for drums i think the double bass sounds killer that stuff sounds great it's not really muddy you can hear the riffs you can hear the guitars and I just kind of drove Scott a little crazy because I kept changing the <laughs> lyrics. I never, we put the lyrics on the paper and I'll sing something else and he'll be like, no, man, you're not singing the right lyrics, man. <laughs> and, and and I think uh, that kind of drove him crazy a little bit. He liked to be 
on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I couldn't stay on it. Uh, And then the other fun thing we did, I did was uh, when we finished our rise, finally we're done with the whole record. So we, we pick or I remember I picked Orgasmatron to to do as a cover Mm -hmm. song. So I wanted to be on the name is uh, Full Spirit. So I drank half a bottle of rum. <laughs> so I can cover Orgasmatron. Right. The Lemmy way, you know. Super, you know, hyped up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Leakered up. Um, so, yeah, so we did it and it came out really good. I don't remember recording it. <laughs> it's there. Sounds great. Uh, I got really wasted. I just remember the next morning was the photo shoot for the record and I can barely open my, I had the worst hangover in the world. <laughs> and I'm like, you see the picture. I'm like barely open my eyes and I had, the, I had the obituary shirt on and it's like, I'm hating life right there. Like my head's like <laughs> explosions going on here. The worst hangover in the world, man. But uh, I think we went on tour right up. The album came out. We went on tour. It was, it was insane. It was like the, the beginning of us working with Gloria and she made this huge tour for us. It was great. We went everywhere, man. You know, I think it was like 250 shows in 360 days. Just like wow, some insane number. It was insane. Who were you? Uh, who were you touring with at the time? What well, I think, yeah, I think it started with SOS. It was a uh, Sepultura obituary Sadus. Okay, that was one of the first tours. Um, then after that, we tour with, we did a bunch of, a lot of, uh, our own stuff, like in crazy countries. We went to Australia, we went to Indonesia for the first time. It was like 40,000 people on every show. And we went to Russia the first time. Uh, a lot of people at those shows too. It was crazy. It, <laughs> the tour was called, um, Monsters of Rock in the Ruins of the Evil Empire. I shit you not. That was the name. That was the name of the tour. Like we that we had that on our jackets. Um and then we start doing um a little bit of um uh, uh I remember I think the first Black Sabbath shows we got to head uh, we got to open for for Black Sabbath like San Bernardino and we started, you know get an offer for bigger things like that. And then we did this amazing tour called new Titans on the block. Oh yeah. Which was uh, Sepultura, sick of it all, uh, sacred Reich and napalm death. And, uh, and then the name was because we, uh, Gloria tried to get us on the clash of the Titans and they, uh, they didn't let us, they, they didn't want us on it. So it was like, uh, like, a a real rejection. <laughs> we got, re- you know, we felt real rejected. And she goes, I got the vengeance. I'm going to call it the new Titans on the <laughs> So. Well, I mean, I, you did get passed over for Alice in Chains. So it wasn't. Uh, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> at least it wasn't, you know, poison or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, it was like, uh, it was, I remember because she got sued by uh, new, new kids on the block. I think they were suing her for the name. <laughs> Just, fucking insane that they even care about that uh, but that tour was killer man that tour was was amazing and um just watching napalm and sick of it all every night 
uh, we created some really good some really good bonds on that tour. Um, so I think those are those are like the the early the early stuff. But I just know that the Arise tour was real long, and we just yeah. kept touring and and touring and touring, and uh, it was the way to do it back in those days. Just all about believing in the live show and going for it, which is I, I feel it's how it is like today. You know, like that's how it is now. If you want to get your music out there, especially now that we don't, a lot of us artists don't sell really gold records or platinum records anymore. Uh, everything we depends on the live music on merchandise. Um, so you go out as much as you can, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a total nomad. Right. Like, I live on the tour. I actually, when I got home from the Soulfly tour, I was, I was road sick. Um, <laughs> instead of being homesick, I was road sick. I was like, <laughs> I want to get back on the road, man. What am I doing home? Home sucks. Right. I want to be on the road, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of going into Arise, how how did you guys write Arise? You know, were you guys writing riffs on tour? Were you guys kind of throwing things around? Did you guys stop for a little bit to write? Do you remember the writing process of Arise? So, yes, yeah, so I, I think Arise was actually a transition record where we wrote some of it in Brazil and wrote some of it in Arizona and uh, ended up recording in Morrisound. Mm-hmm. I just remember we we rented the budget was was uh, was was good enough that we get to rent a car to, to go from the hotel <laughs> right. to the studio. So we of course we rent uh, a Camaro with no roof. <laughs> right. And you you put four Brazilians. This, this was I can't believe we didn't get pulled over like a thousand times. Like we should have, we should have been pulled over every night um, because we'd be blasting death metal in a in a roofless Camaro. Everybody had banging, and that was like going back and forth from the studio every night. <laughs> it was like that was cool. That was like the thing to do. Um, yeah, and then I think we wrote. Uh, uh, we, I think we started the writing in Brazil. We never really wrote on the on the on tour. Right. Never never happened at that those days. Um, I started writing more stuff uh, by myself. Actually, in the end of our rise, Chaos AD is when I wrote a lot at home. Mm-hmm. Um, end up getting my four track and start writing a lot of the riffs on his own, and then bring it to the band. You know. Um, but I think uh, uh, still back then, I think we started in Brazil, wrote a lot. We had a studio in Brazil, and then we had a, ended up moving to Arizona. I had a practice place in Arizona. That's when I saw the guy get get shot because right. it's, it's in a really horrible area. It's in a it's it's south of Phoenix. It's total crack area. It's like it's, it's nuts. You see all the the craziest shit ever, <laughs> uh, and uh, and it was like next door to. Uh, Sacred Reich it was like it was like us, Sacred Reich, uh, Flotsam and Jetson. Oh, nice! It's like, it's like a complex, bunch of bands on this on this kind of complex. Uh, I still have that place, by the way. That's where Soulfly practice and oh, wow, Killer BQ did practice there and Go Ahead and Die and um, yeah, it's a cool place. It's definitely a cool place. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I think you could definitely feel. Uh, the maturity of the band on a rise. I think we oh, became yeah. 
better songwriters, uh, a little more attention on the vocals for hooks. So Desperate Cry had a big hook, big chorus, uh, Arise, you know, um, and 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 uh, and then Dead Embryon excels. And of course, we did the first videos. Uh, I think on Arise, we did we did we did a video for Arise, mm -hmm. at, which was done at Charles Manson Ranch Spawn Ranch. Okay, you know, I remember that that they, everybody talk about we we're on this Charles Manson place, blah blah blah. I don't know. I just know that we crucify a bunch of fans. <laughs> With masks and like a bunch of Jesus crucified. It was like late at night, I man. Like 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 two in the morning, freezing. Those guys are in the cross, like like real real warriors. Like, you know, we gave them a bunch of merchandise, a bunch of shirts, took pictures with the band, and then we did a video for uh, Dead Embryonic Cells, and that was all done in Arizona. Mm -hmm. We went around in a bunch of Arizona places. There's like volcanic ground here in Arizona. There's like ruins pueblo ruins and uh i remember the coolest thing was meeting james hatfield oh nice and in some award show in la and james look at me goes i love the dead embryonic cells video oh dude <laughs> oh, i can die now that's right? it my life is over you know i i can die peacefully now he not just he acknowledged that i exist but he actually mentioned my our video Fuck yeah, man! <laughs> that oh, was yeah. cool. that was definitely like a cool moment. I came back to the the band and told them, Yo, "James had to just talk about our video, man." <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> we made it. We made it. <laughs> well, I mean, definitely at that time. I mean, you're doing Rock and Rio '91. Uh, I mean, that's got to be insane for you, being from from there playing. You know, I the, I always think of Rock and Rio like the Kiss "I Love It Loud" video or something. You know, like just those just insane crowds down there. So it's got to be nuts for you doing that. What do you remember from uh from that show? Oh man, Rock and Rio was great because the first Rock and Rio, we 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 tried to go, we couldn't go. My mother wouldn't, wouldn't let me, and we tried to watch it on TV. And I had this real sadistic uncle. <laughs> it was like this, just batshit crazy Italian guy and he would torture us. He, he would turn the TV on Ozzy for like five seconds. Yeah. And then you put on like soap opera and you'd be like, like just torturing like motherfucker. You're like, <laughs> right. fucker. We want to watch it. Like I'm crying to my mom. Like, mom, what can, <laughs> can, can, what can the uncle let us watch it? It's like, is this TV? Is we are his place. <laughs> anyway, so it was like sweet victory. We finally not just, not only we are at Rock and Rio, we actually playing the motherfucker. Right. Fuck you, uncle. <laughs> can't change the channel on this. Yeah, this is us live. You can't change the channel and we're doing it. And uh, and it was crazy because it was with uh, it was with Megadeth, mm -hmm. Judas Priest, and Fate No More. And there was a Brazilian guy that played right after us. And and he fucked up because he was a pop guy, but he tried to appeal to the metalheads. So he showed up with a, with a with an army helmet and <laughs> okay. some bullet belts. The, the fans were like, "Fuck you, man! You're not metal. You're pop." Right? Doing it. So they took as they he was making fun of them. Uh, so he played one song and got bombarded with fucking 
piss bottles. People people actually piss on the bottles and throw it. <laughs> so he got he got a fucking rain of piss bottles. Play one song and a half, and and then I remember Fade No More went and played after them. Uh, but yeah, that was incredible. I remember at, at the end of our set at Rock and Rio, I actually felt uh, I was real high on the drug, but I was straight. Right. And, I was as straight as you can get. No, nope, nothing. I didn't even drink, but I was high as as you can get from adrenaline, man. That's like adrenaline high from the crowd, you know. Uh, and that's pretty fucking crazy. And it's like once you experience shit like that, you always. That's like they, they say you like you always want more of that, right? You know? So, uh, so I always like wanted to. I wish I could bottle that feeling. <laughs> you still chasing it. Yeah, and, and whenever I wanted to feel like that, I just drink it or you know, but it doesn't work <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, so we did we did uh, we did rock and Rio. We did a, a, a Finland show, which was really weird. Monsters, another one of those monsters of rock of Finland with Winger. <laughs> nice. We, we, Winger was in the on, was on the bill, and uh, yeah, we ruled, man. It was a great show, like during the day. And, it's like I think there's some some YouTube videos of that. There's a Mexico show that's on YouTube. It's fucking insane. Those Mexicans are like losing their fucking minds, uh, and we're playing as as tough as you can get, as as fast as you can get. Because Igor always play everything twice as fast. Um, it was it was insanity to follow him. Like everything was twice as fast from from the album time. It was like three oh, yeah. times faster. Um, but yeah, it was it was uh the Rock and Rio was definitely a cool our homeland, big soccer stadium. We made it, you know, and uh definitely like we got people in Brazil look at us different. There that that Sepultura before Rock and Rio and after Rock and Rio. They're in two different things. Like we were hated before, like we were the worst band in the world. And after Rock and Rio, it was like we love this band. Everybody was like, We love Sepultura, which was Really weird to experience that. Another tour you guys did that that still talked about to this day, and people still talk. You know, if they were at that tour, they bring it up, and that's that Ministry Helmet Simple Tour tour. And you know, at the time, man, those are those are three you know bands on the rise playing. You know, I think smaller venues that you know for the time and things like that, man. So so talk a little bit about touring with Ministry and Helmet back then because that had to be amazing. Oh yeah, that was a big tour for us, and we. I always would thank uh, Ministry for for taking us on that, and uh, you know, I got to play Madison Square Garden for the first time. Oh, wow. um, well, then I'll take back my smaller clubs thing. <laughs> well, some, some of the, some of the, yeah. the, it was a big U.S. tour, so some of them were a little smaller. Yeah. Some of the big cities like New York and L.A. were big places, but I remember. Uh, playing Madison Square Garden and I hate it. I fucking hate it because it was on the streets, you know? And and nobody could stage dive, you know? They're like, if you get stage dive, you get kicked out. So on the third song, I stage dive. Like, I'm like, fuck you, right? Fuck you. Nobody tells me you can stage dive. So I jump. Security got me by the neck. You know, this guy's ready to punch me and my crew is like, dude, he's the singer. And he's like, oh, okay, put me back on the stage. And I was like, I remember watching Zeppelin and thinking of this place, the Madison Square Garden, a just amazing sacred place. And mm-hmm. 
I was so bummed out because there were seats. It was not for metal. That's not, <laughs> it's not a metal place. But there was a lot of cool shows on this tour, man. Chicago was great. Like, Ministry was on fire, man. It was mm-hmm. like, their show was so good. They had the... Uh, they had the two drummers. They have all the bones on the stage. You know, all the fucking microphones are all bones and fucking crazy metal-looking shit. And Helmet was, like, on MTV. So there was, like, you know, they, they had uh, they had the big Unsung was, like, one of their mm-hmm. biggest songs. Um, yeah, and a lot of crazy shit went down on this tour, man. You know, that <laughs> I remember playing in... Uh, Playing in LA, I think it was it was a big place. I can't remember the name of it now, um, but it was some some kind of some kind of auditorium, amphitheater, okay. something like that. But I remember the Chili Peppers guys were there. Oh, nice! And, uh, and my my son Dana that passed away, he was there, and he was like right next to Flea, and he said Flea was playing air bass and singing <laughs> all the lyrics to Arise. Oh, nice. And he couldn't believe that. And he came backstage like, Max, dude, Flea was singing, though. <laughs> playing air bass and singing with you, with, you know, singing Arise. It was it was like Timoth- Timothy Leary, Larry was the show. Yeah, nice. That's the guy. Um, and and then it, got, it got crazier towards the end. I think it was, uh, uh, I think it was like Seattle, um, the fucking ministry guy. I was partying hard. I was drinking like a fucking Tasmania devil at that, that on that tour. I just didn't give a fuck. Um, so I think all the pro jam guys came to to jam to party with with ministry on their bus, and I was there, of course. So I'm in the middle of the party, you know, everybody getting <laughs> up, getting, and uh, so I'm drinking more than I supposed to. And it's like fucking Eddie Vedder is right next to me. It's like I take one more drink, and then it's like. <laughs> all over his legs man he's all like i'm fucking oh shit damn it man and he's he's being really cool he didn't care it's cleaned up and i remember that right after that i asked for an autograph from my sister because she was a big pro jam fan um because i didn't really like pro jam i just didn't really give a shit right right um, but it's like I'm sorry I puke on you, but can I get a <laughs> can I get an autograph my sister, you know? And he signed the paper. She still had the paper. And then uh, it got crazy, man. The fucking the tour manager tried to get the bottle away from me. I have, I was drinking rum and I was like, fuck you, I know you're not getting I break the bottle on his head, fucking blood everywhere. Uh it was just an evil night, man. And finally, fucking Al had enough, like. I think he gave me like three volumes. Like, here, yeah, take this right now. <laughs> Go to sleep, goddammit. <laughs> oh, shit. I just remember waking up on their bus. I, I end up sleeping on their bus. Sepultura went on without me on the other right, bus. Right. I wake up. I'm not in my bus. I'm like, oh, shit. I saw Al's passport. So, oh, I'm in the ministry bus. Okay. I must have slept here last night. And... I go to the front of the bus. There's a guy with a bandage in his fucking hand. <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, what happened to you? He's like, you happened to me. <laughs> you last night. <laughs> oh, those are those are the worst, man. When you start, when everything starts coming back the next day and you're like, oh, man, I puked on Eddie Vedder. Well, <laughs> you know, like... And to make it worse, the, the tour manager was in a band called uh, 
Echo and the Bunnymen. Oh, I, was, nice. I was a big fan of this band when because I, I like a lot of the uh, yeah 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 Cure, Sisters of Mercy. Uh, so I was a fan of the guy's band, and and I had to should try to get the bottle from me. And I don't, don't take a bottle from the guy that's having fun, man. Don't go for the bottle. That was like that was the wrong move. Um, but that was just uh just a, just a pure rock and roll night, man. It's like yeah. We don't see too many of those these days. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're smashing too many bottles, and that would be, you know, instantly on, you know, social media, and it'd be all over the place. Oh, man. if that was if that was today, it would have been crazy. That would have been that would have been insane if that happened today. It was it would have been quite different, quite different reactions too. So uh, I'm glad it happened back then. I recently listened to an interview with you and uh, you and Igor uh, revolvers fan first. I listened to that the other day and you were talking about Igor jumping behind drum, you know, a shared drum kit and making it sound amazing. And uh, it, it kind of made me think about when I, when I saw Sepultura, the only time I saw Sepultura was on roots tour with Ozzy and Danzig and biohazard. Um, and the drum, like Igor's drums were just pulsing off the stage. Like I've never seen anybody hit drums like that before or since. And uh, what an amazing drummer. And how, how amazing is it for you? I mean, I know you guys patched it up a while back, but still getting in a room with him and just playing with him and, and just, you know, getting together with Igor. Yeah. I mean, uh, Dino just remind me of this. It's like, do you remember Igor when he used to play with you? He'll be speeding on you when he's playing drum. <laughs> <laughs> it's like huge speeds on my back. Uh, <laughs> That's just brother love, man. That yeah. that is that is the, the 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 thing that people don't understand. That people they, they think that he's doing that in an evil, bad way, but it's not. That's just pure. That's brotherly love. Fuck you. Play faster. <laughs> See how fast I go. Here, one more spit. You know. Right. And uh, I love playing with my brother. In fact, we are fucking. It's almost like telepathic, man. It's crazy. Like I can read his mind. He reads my mind. We know what each other is thinking. And a lot of times, for a long time, we used to do this thing where we didn't even count to start a song, which is like on 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 uh, just looking at the eye yeah, yeah. and start, like just, just with that movement. And you hit, you start with a no, without stick, click, count. No count, just that. Just looking at each other and start on the drop and I, I don't know anybody else that does that um so i think it's cool man in an era where a lot of the brother bands are no longer with us you know unfortunately dimebag and vinnie and uh, eddie van halen you know um be one of the few re, re, you know remaining remaining people of that brother brother band type thing uh it's cool it's definitely special um, I love the bastard man. I, I <laughs> hang out with him a lot. And like I said, on that interview, we, we'd still go to record shops together and talk about music together. And we're still teenagers at heart. And uh, I think that's cool. That's, uh, that's something that hopefully you don't lose it. You know, that, that teenage heart, the pure, love of metal that you just love it because you you really love metal nothing else uh no politics involved uh no no contracts you know of course we deal with all that but yeah. it's not the main thing you know the main thing is the, the both of us understand 
how special our bond is and how special it is. And I, 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 I even going to mention to him, you're allowed to spit at me again when we're playing. <laughs> You can go ahead and spit. That that's still cool. That's it's still love, brother. <laughs> uh, last couple of things. I know we're going to wrap up soon. Um, we, we do a little throwback throwdown here on Talk to Me, and uh, with you, I wanted to do um, just give me five underground bands you're listening to right now uh, that everybody should check out. Woo! All right, on the spot. Uh, <laughs> I figured this one wouldn't be too bad for you. Nah, nah, it's cool. I love that shit, man. You, as you know. Uh, so yeah, so I start with uh, a band that we took on tour on the Soulfly tour, Two Hundred Stab Wounds. Amazing, amazing band. Um, killer, killer guys. Uh, great guys. Um, we did a jam in, on the end. On the end of our set it was killer, and they have. Uh, uh, um, they have a. Uh, uh, two records out if i'm not mistaken um i think one is an ep and then one is a full length um slave to the scalpel scalpel you know scalpel 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 yeah um that's a great record people don't don't have it check it out um i'm also been listening to a lot of uh um creeping death from texas yeah like those guys a lot um definitely um uh, some of my some of the favorite stuff that has come out that kind of yeah. death trash mix they do it very very well um i love um uh, i love undeath from new york uh looking forward to their uh, new record i heard three new songs are out right now um so i think the new record is going to kick major ass it's gonna be great. Um, I love the project my brother did called Absent in Body. Okay, he did that with the Neurosis and the Amen Ra guys. People should definitely check that out. Um, and then, uh, then one more underground. I like this band from Italy called Fucci. Okay, F-U-L-C-I. Okay. I think it's the name of the Italian. A horror movie director. Okay. Yeah, they're awesome. The breakdowns are insane, man. Uh, it's kind of like suffocation a little bit. Uh, it's uh, uh, they have a, they have a record called Tropical Sun. Uh, it's all about zombies and fuck oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe they'll be the, the maybe they'll be the uh, uh, you know prophets for another thirty years down the line. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah, they're really really good. Um, and I love the new Genocide Pack too that just came out. That's another great record. Those are all great, awesome bands. I think Metal is in a great underground place right now. There's a lot of great stuff. Um, watching uh, 200 Stab Wounds every night was very inspirational for me because they they kind of remind me of a of, of a young Sepultura. You know, it was like watching it was like watching Sepultura how it started. The, you know, the young kids. Right blasting off just doing it uh it was cute it was really really cool and they're just great guys man and uh i really really love that just that the pure passion for metal that you can just see oozing from their instruments you know it was great it was really really cool all right two two dumb questions to end off with uh the dreadlock you cut off 
when when that photo was posted, it took me forever to figure out what that was. And then once it hit me, I just started laughing. So uh, so what was the, uh, the you know the story behind finally you know getting in there and hacking that thing off? Well, it came down to well, many many things, but it was like pulling all my hair, and I was going bald quick. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that thing was heavy. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a trunk. It's a tree trunk, you know. And uh, yeah, it was just time, you know. Like let let the metal yeah. try to get the metal hair back again. Uh, hopefully, it's it's growing. It's growing a little slower. We should grow a little faster, but it's still getting there. Uh, but we, yeah, we kept it. It's in a bag, kind of like a snake. When you kill a snake and put it in a bag, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gloria has the bag. I told her uh, she's not allowed to to to. Uh, to give it away, not until I die. I gotta die first. It's gotta, it's gotta really become something special. <laughs> like, but after I'm dead, the, that's gonna be cool, man. That big tree trunk, you know. Uh, especially if you put it on a on a if you if you put it on a special place on a with a plague, the big fucking dead snake looking thing. Uh, yeah, it was just time to move on and. Uh, I, I was kind of shocked with the reaction that got it too. I did not expect that. I was like, I, I had no idea. So I, we cut it and we didn't really make a big deal out of it. And Gloria took a picture and when she posted, it was like, <laughs> it's like, what the fuck happened? You know, it's like really crazy, but feels good. Like I remember the first shower I took without that thing. It was oh. like, I actually feel the water in my head. Like you had dreadlocks. So you yeah, know, I was going to say I, that when I cut mine feel. off, when I cut mine off, I went to like a salon and they to get an actual haircut and I had them wash my hair for the first time in like four years. They'll you could feel the fingers and just yeah. everything. oh man, it felt so good. Yeah, I can wear a hat now, you yeah. know. I can I, I'm gonna buy bands bands hats now. I can wear it. And and I remember like one time Gloria also was going through my my dreadlocks. She found some food in it. It's probably just been there for like a year. Right. She found like she found like old old beans and rice and beans. From, <laughs> this is from two years ago. <laughs> I remember when we had this. Those things weren't really clean either. They didn't smell. They didn't smell that good either. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm glad all of that is done with it. <laughs> nice. And a uh, uh, last silly question, man. I know you're a lifelong Lions fan, Detroit Lions football. Um, are you happy uh, for Matthew Stafford for winning the Super Bowl? <laughs> there you go. I am. I am, but it's bittersweet. Yeah. I'm more I'm more uh pissed off at the Lions than I am pissed off at Matt Stafford. Because I think if the Lions would have put a good team behind him, they could have probably win the Super Bowl, as Stafford proved it to them that he could can do it, right? Yeah. He's uh, he's good, man. He's a good quarterback, and you put a good team around him. With a good defense and good weapons, he took the team all the way to the Super Bowl and won. Uh, so, my beef with the Lions is that they don't do enough. Mm-hmm. I don't think they believe enough on the team. Um, I just heard they're gonna do hard knocks. HBO Hard Knocks. That should yeah. be cool. I love the coach. I think the coach is cool. That guy's he's he, metal. He's metal. He, he wants to see kneecaps flying. <laughs> right. Well, he came out and said uh, he, he's a big Metallica and ACDC fan. So, you know, he maybe he maybe he strays into some, you know, Soulfly Sepultura. You never know. There you go. I got I to gotta approach him. I got to make an approach. But 
Definitely Motor Motor Series Dan Campbell, they call him MDC. Yeah, MCDC, man. Yeah. 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 Motor City Dan Campbell. Uh he's cool. I just wish they would go out and get some real good players and make the yeah. team amazing. But I don't I don't know. But definitely uh, although I was cheering for the Bengals when actually when he won, I was I saw his family. Right. That for family and because he's been through some shit, man. I think his wife had uh, yes. head surgery or mm-hmm. brain, brain surgery. You know, he's he's been through a lot, man. You know, and um, and he was in Detroit for twenty years. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> That's the whole soul yeah. career. He was in <laughs> playing shitty Detroit. You know, <laughs> it's so funny. I meet people and and they see me with a lion shirt. They go, "Oh yeah." What part of Detroit are you from? I'm like, ah, I'm from Brazil, man. You know? <laughs> yeah, how did I, I don't know if I've ever heard the story about how you became a Lions fan. You just latched onto them or what? Yeah, it's really like that. So we moved to Arizona and everybody here is a Cardinals fan. And I, I, I also like the Cardinals. We go to the games and everything. But I wanted to have my own team. So I saw the logo. I, I'm a I'm a I'm a lion. My 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 sign is a lion. Yeah, yeah. So I was like uh, lion, the lion logo. I like the jerseys. I didn't know nothing about the team, right? Obviously, I remember, I remember Gloria, <laughs> Gloria telling me, "Get ready to lose a lot <laughs> and enjoy enjoy pain, <laughs> right? You're gonna suffer a lot with that team." And she wasn't she wasn't wrong. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, being in Arizona too. I mean, the Cardinals are long suffering too. I mean, they've had their moments, but, but they, you know. Yeah, they. I I thought this last year was they were, they started good. It was eleven and old man. It was like, but couldn't finish. You know, it's crazy. Uh, although the Suns are really good, mm-hmm. basketball team is kicking ass. I think they might get the they might get the trophy this year. Hopefully, that'll be really cool. <laughs> Well, Max, it's always, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I don't know if you know the Five Timers Club on Saturday Night Live when they 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 talk about a host hosting five times. It's called the Five Timers Club. I actually looked back. You've been on the show now five times. So you and Gene Hoagland are now in the Five Timers Club of the uh, Talk To Me podcast. All right, man. That's awesome. Some good, uh, some good company there. Yeah, listen, thanks for having me, man. Always. Glad, glad you enjoyed the stories and whatnot and uh, – I hope I'll see you soon, brother. You know, stay safe out there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've done we now we've done Roots. We did the Nail Bomb album. Now we've done uh, we've done this. Uh, you know, Beneath the Remains and Arise. And my personal favorite uh, Sepultura album is Chaos AD. So whenever you get whenever you decide to uh, to do the the Chaos AD tour, I can't wait. That's gonna be a big one. <laughs> that should be good. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Max, and uh, have a good rest of your day. And uh, we'll see you on tour, like always.
Right, huge thank you to Max Cavalera coming on the show. Make sure you guys are out checking out Cavalera when it comes to a town near you for the uh, Beneath the Remains Arise tour. You, know, you can't get can't go wrong listening to so some of those songs live, seeing Max in person, seeing Igor play some fucking Sepultura. Come on. That's the goods. That is the Dude, goods. Do you think? I, I just interviewed his son, Richie. Um, okay. For Insight. Uh, actually, it goes live uh tomorrow or Friday. Um, I, and I just interviewed him and I asked him if we're going to ever get the true Cavalier conspiracy with Igor and him and, um, and Max and um, what's the other kid's name? Igor, um, Igor, <laughs> Igor Jr. I guess. Yeah. And he said, he said that he thinks that they're going to do that actually. <laughs> Cause oh, wow. one of the Igors plays guitar as well. Okay. So he's he's thinking that one of the Igors will play guitar, the other will play drums, and then you'll have Max and and Richie singing. I'm like, I'm in for that. <laughs> I would go. Now, would you go see that? The true yeah, yeah I, would I would see go that see. In a minute. Man, I'll tell you right now. I mean, there's not a lot that Max I wouldn't go see. Yeah, you know. I'm with you. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Killer Be Killed, but yeah. I'd go see it. I would no, his voice it. was cool in that. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the other guys in that band too. So it was cool to kind of hear his voice and kind of kind of representing the old school, right? <laughs> you know, and all those guys do. Sure. But uh, well, I guess uh, re- representing the old school, we had talked with Max there a little bit about his his top five, top six underground bands that he's been listening to. Um, and I, you know, I just I kind of gave you the same uh, the same task and mm-hmm. kind of give me five underground bands you've been listening to. All right, I have five. Um. First one is a band called Sick, spelled S-Y-K. They okay. are a Philip Anselmo product. They are a, um, they're, I mean, he's not in the band, but they right. recorded at his studio. Uh, they're released on Housecore. Um, if you like Meshuggah, but with the chick from Nightwish singing, okay. that's what Sick is. It's it's that weird Meshuggah tone, but with a with a girl singing. It's It's really different and interesting so that's one uh savage necromancy i'm okay. sure you love all their stuff right <laughs> i love them love them yeah, I'll bet. they are out of phoenix uh probably the heaviest death metal band out there today they have an album called conquest of nazareth and god damn do they smoke just heavy man <laughs> all right third is zero king um they're sort of like a a rock metal hybrid. They're, they're probably musically a little more rock than metal, but the singer is all metal. So I don't know. I don't know that you would even compare them to anything, but the band is called zero King. They have an album called American savior, which is really strong. Are they, Um, are they the ones that are out of uh, like West Virginia? I think yes. I'm positive on that, but just zero King one word. So yeah, if that's the one out of out of there, then 
that's them. Nice. Um, probably my favorite on the whole list of my five is this band called Chrysix. I can't promote this band enough. <laughs> they are they are a straight up old school thrash metal band out of the Exodus sound, but they're they're younger guys. They're they're super crazy marketers. Like they market their own like food and beers and everything else as well as pizza. They have their own pizza in Spain. <laughs> Chrysix okay. pizza. But musically they just deliver their, their new cd is called uh, full hd and if you like that old school exodus type of music this is the the only band i would even say is comparable to them of the new school is like havoc you know they're in they're sort of out of that realm but i would say they're way more old school sounding than havoc even is so that's the fourth one and number five is a band called vermord out of <laughs> believe it or not where would you think a band named vermord v-e-r-m-o-r-d with the little dots over the o oh man they're, they're definitely they're definitely scandinavian yeah they're scandinavian if that's located in maryland you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? they're from maryland which is not not exactly where i would expect this kind of a uh deathy type they're, they're i mean i guess they're deathcore I guess okay. if you're looking for a style, but they're um, they got some groove in their music, just a little bit of groove in it. So it catches you a little off guard when you hear it, but just killer. It's, it's definitely death metal though. It's definitely, if you're looking for Pantera or exhorter, that's not what you're going to get. You're getting death metal, but just enough groove to tap your toe to a little bit. So nice. Vermord at number five on my countdown. <laughs> So those are my uh, five. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I didn't do my homework like I was oh. supposed to. Um, a band we talked about a few times on here that 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 I don't know what's going on with them internally, but uh, Era E R R A. Uh, I really, I still enjoy those guys. Um, they've definitely had some weird stuff going on just from from my uh, internal talkings to the people around them. Sure. Uh, you can never go wrong with Slaughter to Prevail from Russia. Um, and that, it was kind of cool. They actually came out and like, he, he in very, very broken English basically was just like, we do not, su- you know, support the war on Ukraine, <laughs> you know, like, but it was, it was like, you could just tell that English is not even, even, uh, you know, his second language at right. all. <laughs> nice. Uh, and what actually I listened to this out the, the full album of this the other day. Did you listen to dream widow when it came out? Oh, the, 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 the um, Dave Grohl thing. Dave Grohl thing. I did yeah. not listen to the whole thing. Is it good? I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's you know it's definitely has its moments, and mm. and uh, you know Dave Grohl is definitely a, a a metal dude at heart. Sure. So uh, so yeah, that Dream Widow album is actually pretty pretty cool, man. I mean, you know, if you're in, if you have it on streaming, definitely throw it on. And, and is it uh, better than it Probot? I don't. You know, honestly, I never really listened to that Probot, so I couldn't. I can't really? tell you. I can't tell you for. Uh, for 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 certain, I'll, well, that'll be my homework this week. Next week, I'll tell you what I thought of Probot. I was going to say anything with Anselmo on it, I thought would be an automatic listen for you. You know, it's weird is like how many of those things he's done over the years that I just didn't really listen to much. Like even that song with like Iomi. Yeah, like, I think I've heard it maybe once or twice, but I couldn't really tell you much about Metal it. Metal Allegiance, yeah, all Metal stuff. Allegiance tune, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, if it ain't Pantera, you don't care. Hell yeah, or not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean honestly the the some of their side the 
the side project stuff and even like weird Pantera soundtrack songs. There's a few songs that I'm I'm not 100% familiar with that they did on like soundtracks here and there. Right. Not a big badge fan. Well, I know the badge was, was that was an early on, but there was some stuff maybe a little bit later that was on like those weird, um, God, what were they on later? The, uh, like Halloween 2020 or something like that. Like one of those weird kind of soundtracks. Like there's some stuff out there. Not that they're on that soundtrack, but they're around that area era, like the late nineties, early two thousands where they popped up on a few of those soundtracks. Right. Yeah. Um, that's kind of it. So if if you want to turn off the podcast now, you're more than welcome because Chris and I are about to talk a little bit about WrestleMania. It's <laughs> wrestling time. <laughs> I know Chris is a big fan. I, the honestly, I only watched the one section that I was kind of kind of checking out. But um, I thought I was I was 100 blown away by McAfee Pat McAfee's match. Like there there was a few times where he did some moves. I was just like, all right. Especially yeah. when he jumped, ju- he basically flat-footed jumped up onto the top rope. I don't know how with I'm a sure guy that, on it, with yeah. a guy on it. So he had to not only it wasn't just as simple as a jump; he had to position his feet and not fall off because he stepped on the other guy's feet. Right? Yeah, he jumped up there, and I was just like, I mean, I'm sure it's been done before. I mean, with all the high flying acrobatics and stuff, man. But I was just like, all right, here we go, Pat. Yeah, dude, for a guy that doesn't do it, he yeah. was impressive. He was yeah. he was definitely imp- the impressive guy of that night to say the yeah. least. And and the whole thing with Stone Cold Steve Austin was just fun. Yeah. It was it was silly. I mean, it, of course it was silly, but you know, and and of course they had to slow everything down for him and for Vince McMahon, but it was pretty funny. And and McAfee, my favorite part of the whole thing with McAfee was him after he took the stunner and he was laying on the floor, but he was still drinking the beer. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I thought when he took the stunner that he did a really good job. He had because he so had a good. mouthful of beer, right? He sprayed it everywhere and stuff, <laughs> you know. But if you if you watch McAfee enough, man, he he grew up on the Attitude Era. He still mm-hmm. uses all those catchphrases in his own show. Sure. So I mean, just seeing like. You know, I've been I've been watching McAfee since he started with Barcelona Sports and and all sure. that. So, so kind of seeing his rise and stuff. So, so just to see him like kind of, and I know it's silly for someone to be like, oh, like you know, so like not proud or whatever. But you're seeing him living his dream like that. Sure, it's pretty. I mean, when him there's that there's a cool photo from the crowd of like him on one turnbuckle and Stone Cold on another, and they're they got the beers in the air, man. I'm like, sure. for the for the amount of times he's talked about those those type things on his show and to see it kind of come to fruition like that the the only thing the mat the, the match with austin theory i thought was really good the stuff sure. with i don't vince mcmahon looks like a fucking alien well he's a uh, hundred i mean <laughs> he's i i mean legitimately he's got to be 80 or 78 or something i mean yeah, he's an old man but you know i mean he should be in a home somewhere and instead he's <laughs> out there taking bumps yeah. You know, I, I mean, he shouldn't have been out there. It, it, he looked very odd and it was what that part was embarrassing. The part with McAfee. Yeah. Cause McAfee just fought a 23 year old and beat him. Right. And then old ass Vince McMahon comes in and is just knocking McAfee all over the ring. And it was like, yeah. dude, that's not real believable at all here. But yeah, I know people think wrestling is real or is fake, but I believe still. <laughs> I mean, well, just, that that was the other thing kind of behind the curtain stuff with with 
McAfee like showing all the bruises and stuff from yeah. all over him, and you know him just kind of talking a little bit about the he, he didn't expect us you know the the rings to be the 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 ring itself to be so uh, the ropes to be so bouncy and right yeah you know, he he said there were a couple of times where where luckily he didn't miss the mark when he he did a few things here and there but yeah man I mean for the most part that was a lot of fun I mean they they with you know McAfee and I mean they were they were on for a long time and he yeah. killed it for the entire time he was on. And then uh, I, he 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 shouted out Booker T. I guess Booker T. At some point had had taken the the headphones and put them on mid match. Okay. And he and I guess Booker T. It was in, he said Booker T. Did it in TNA. That's where he got the idea. And he was like Booker T's, you know, whooping all these dudes' asses. And so <laughs> you know, and so when he puts on the micro head, headset mid match and it's like Pat, he goes, uh, hey, what is Pat's parents' name? Uh, uh, Tim and Tim and Sally McAfee back home watching their son whooping up on Austin Theory's ass and just like all that shit. But uh, yeah, I think he did, he did really well, man. I was, I was really impressed and uh, yeah. and and then like yeah, I could have done without the 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 Vince McMahon stuff afterwards. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, watching McCall out there, uh, Steve Austin coming out was. I kind of wish I, didn't he come out the night before and do some stuff? He so, did, yeah. yeah so, he, he was he he did both nights, but yeah, the the thing with with Vince at the end was embarrassingly bad. When Vince he went to throw a Stone Cold Stunner on Vince, and Vince Vince couldn't get his damn legs underneath him. Right, you know, Vince kept falling away from him. It was embarrassingly bad. <laughs> it, yeah. it was so bad that they actually pulled it all off of YouTube now. Even they've the the wwe people have pulled all the clips off of youtube because they want to protect them from looking wow. so awful but mcafee's match was fun i had wrestlemania was fun really i mean it was I, i'll be honest i i didn't have much hope for the whole thing and if you went into it looking for serious wrestling you were probably yeah. immensely disappointed but if you went into it knowing that it's just supposed to be stupid, silly fun, there was a lot of stupid, silly fun. The McAfee match was fun. Everything about that was fun. The kind of Johnny Knoxville was fun with all the stupid Johnny Knoxville jackass stuff that right. they did in the match was pretty fun. Uh, the wrestling itself was pretty okay, I guess. You know, it wasn't great, but it wasn't the worst. And, you know, there's a lot of good moments. There's, it surprised me. I watched both nights complete the whole eight hours or whatever yeah. it was. And I enjoyed it. I, I wouldn't make it as the best ever, but I w certainly wouldn't put it as the worst. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely need to go back and kind of watch a little bit more of it here and there. I like, I like keeping up with it. I don't necessarily need to, to watch it, you know, start to finish, but I do enjoy keeping up with kind of the storylines and sure. who's good, who's bad and all that stuff. Yeah, well, I'm a retard when it comes to that. I am absolutely, <laughs> I am at 100% watch every bit of all of it, whether it's NWA, AEW, WWE. I'm watching wrestling every damn day. You know? right. <laughs> I'm a mental patient when it comes to the to that stuff, but whatever. I love it. They can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I, I can't say I, wa I watched it as much as I did when I was a kid. But you know, when I was a kid, all the storylines I was following all of them. Oh yeah, back then you were just sitting there going, "Oh my God, how's JYD going to beat Iron Mike Sharp or whatever?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's me. For you, it would have been how is uh, you know, who who would have been for you the Rock and Triple no, H I was I, I was more like like I still it's it's funny. There's I guess it's funny how. 
how their gimmicks worked, but okay. like, like when, when, uh, um, was it Scott Hall? Is that Razor Ramon? Yeah, Razor Ramon. Yeah, I hated Razor Ramon as a kid. Like, right? I and and it's funny because even as he died, I'm still like good, you know. <laughs> but it's but it's it's mainly just because I just hated Razor Ramon that much sure. as a kid. And like and like rap when Ravishing Rick Rude died, I was like good on him, you know, like <laughs> fuck him because. Because because after Warrior beat Hogan at the WrestleMania, then Ravishing Rick Rude beat Warrior right. for the belts or whatever. So it's like I still hold grudges, you know, from when I was what however old I was at eight, nine, ten years old. Well, we can still we can both agree that Hulk Hogan has always been putrid, though, right? I I, I think I, I hold him a little bit of a higher. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> stop! Uh, but I think that. I, we'll kind of finish on this, but I think that when I think when Hulk Hogan dies, like that's going to be a fucking morning that you've never seen before. Like I, I probably, I think it's just going to be like so across the board. And from like, I mean, obviously when Taylor Hawkins died, I mean, you got the vice, you know, the president's wife talking right. about him and shit like that. But I think that like so many, like the, the, you might as well shut down Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and everything else for Mm -hmm. a month because it's just going to be, you know, when I was nine, I would sit there with my dad and we would go and we would watch, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we met him once, one time at a, at a a Sheridan holiday inn or something, you know, like those tributes are just going to be flowing. Oh yeah. Who do you think will be more when he dies or somebody like Mick Jagger or Keith Richards? I'm thinking Uh, Hogan. Yeah, I still think Hogan. But I think that because I think Hogan kind of transcends a little bit. I mean, not yeah. that Mick Jagger and those guys don't, but I'm just saying like, like even non-music fans know Hogan. But I will say, I don't know if you saw this or not. Hogan went on uh, Facebook Live the other night okay. and with him and him and Nick, his son. His, his no, son's Nick, right? Yeah, Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did like a promo like, hey, come down to Hogan's, blah, blah, blah. We're going to be... We're gonna have a DJ. We're gonna have a party, and and Nick's like talking about this other thing, and Hulk goes, and now that I'm single, I'm ready to mingle. You know, he's like doing, <laughs> he's like basically just throwing it out there that he's like on the prowl. And then photos of that party came out, and he's all hugged up on some blonde girl. You know, and I'm like, good job, Hulk. Like at the Hulk. <laughs> but yeah, it was good times, and I I I thoroughly enjoy Hogan. I you know <sighs> maybe I don't know how about his wrestling and stuff, man. But sure you do. You've seen the leg drop and the finger wave. That's all you uh, need you gotta, to know you, about Hogan. You, you got to Hulk up, you know. Got to like, Hulk was, up, oh. wave your finger, and then go you, yeah, and then bounce off two ropes and drop your leg on him. Right. That's Hogan. Yeah. That's every yeah. match, and it was awesome every time. No, stop! <laughs> stop it! When he just starts hulking up and like they're still trying to punch on him and nothing affects him. Uh, the the worst part about it though, dude, and I know we're getting into goofiness, but all of the guys that have been the most successful, they all follow that same pattern of having the same like two or three moves that they do every time. Yeah. Hogan, John Cena, The Rock, all of them do the same exact shit every match. Yeah, but I mean, we just got done talking about everybody taking a stunner. Yeah, and how it was like awesome to see everybody taking a stunner. Well, that's Stone Cold's another one. He never yeah. did nothing different, but good Lord, look at 19 years in between matches and look at the craziness that happened when he hit the hit the stage or when they played the glass 
heartbreaking. Yeah. That place went nuts. <laughs> yeah. Plus they're in Texas too. So yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Well, good. <laughs> good times, man. Good times. Hell yeah. Well, that has been another episode of Talk to Me here on Notfest.com. So make sure, and like we said earlier, don't be cheap. Go get a VIP subscription. Watch the yeah. interview with me and Max. It's fucking great. And uh yeah, so so until next week, I've been Joshua Toomey. I'm still Chris Aiken. And I'm about to stone cold stun on everybody. The Talk To Me Podcast, presented by NotFest.com. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the Talk To Me Podcast. 